Hello, everybody. This is Dan Jones, and I hope you're doing well today. I want to talk today about another fellow from the book of Judges. Last week, we discussed some aspects of the career of Gideon, whom most people have probably heard of. But there's another fellow in that tragic book that you may not have heard of, and his name was Jephthah. You can find his story beginning in chapter 11 of Judges. The story begins by telling us that Jephthah of the land of Gilead was a mighty warrior. Gilead was an area of Israel east of the Jordan River. Now, being a great warrior was really a good resume enhancement back then, but unfortunately, that item was followed immediately by one of the worst things that could be said about you. Jephthah was the son of a prostitute. Nowadays, we would say, and I'm going to say in this talk, that nobody should judge a person for something they had nothing to do with and that they couldn't control. Jephthah didn't get to pick his mother. Nobody does. But the fact is, in that ancient culture, being the son of a prostitute created lifelong problems for you. Now, before I go on, please listen carefully to this, what I'm about to say. Listen, we have a tendency, when looking back in history, to be very self-righteous about cultural differences we have with people in the past. We think to ourselves, how could they have been so evil as to think like that or to have that kind of practice in their society? Without doubt, there were things that were countenanced in past cultures that we are thankful don't exist today. But I would submit to you that there are things about our culture right at this moment that future generations will very possibly look back on in horror. I won't go into any of those right now, but suffice it to say that nobody chooses when and where they will be born, and we tend to accept the culture we were born into as normal. Now, in Jephthah's day, over 3,000 years ago, it was perfectly normal and accepted to look down on people on account of their parentage, even though, as we've pointed out, you don't get to choose that. So, Jephthah's father, who evidently didn't disown him, and that's a good thing, he had other sons in the socially acceptable way. In other words, they were legitimate. When these half-brothers of Jephthah grew up, they kicked him out. They said, you're not going to share in our father's inheritance because you don't have the same mob as us. Now, I have an idea that their motivations were at least partly due to the fact that getting rid of Jephthah would make each of their shares of the inheritance a little bigger, but that's not really the point of this story. Jephthah leaves town and ends up in a place called the land of Tob. Not sure where that was, but when he got there, we're told that worthless fellows began to follow him. As we pointed out, Jephthah was a great warrior, and so would attract people who perhaps were looking for a fight. In the meantime, back home, the Ammonites attacked the Israelites who lived in Gilead where Jephthah's family still resided. Without hesitation, the elders 
of Gilead went after Jephthah and asked him to come home and rescue them. Naturally, Jephthah gently reminded them that they had run him out of town because of who his mother was. But the elders from Gilead said to him, We're here because we know you are a great warrior, and we want you to come help us with the Ammonites. And by the way, if you defeat them, you can be our leader. Well, when I read this, I almost want him to say, you guys deal with the Ammonites yourself. I'm perfectly happy here. Thank you very much. But that's not what he said. He made them promise that if he defeated their enemies, the people of Gilead would indeed make him their chief. They promised. So Jephthah went back. Now I find it striking that when what he did at first, instead of launching a blitzkrieg against the Ammonites and wiping them out, he tried to negotiate. He wanted to avoid war if possible. You've got to give Jephthah a lot of credit for this. Now, I won't go into the details of the back and forth. You can read about it in Judges 11. Needless to say, the Ammonites didn't really want to negotiate. At this point, we're told that the Spirit of God came upon Jephthah. In the book of Judges, when you read that, it's always bad news for the enemies of Israel. He went out to engage them in combat. And this is where the main focus of the story of Jephthah is revealed. Here's what he said. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Before I go on, there's one thing you need to understand about Jephthah's culture. When you made a vow, you kept it no matter what. Breaking a vow was a very serious matter. You just didn't do that. Vows were usually made in the presence of witnesses. Of course, nowadays, people break promises without even thinking about it. I think it was Lenin who said, uh, Vladimir, not John, promises are like pie crusts, easily made, easily broken. But not in the time of Jephthah. When you made a vow, you paid it. Now, looking back, we can see that this was a rash vow. He shouldn't have made this vow. We assume that when Jephthah said he would sacrifice the first thing that came out of his house, that he expected it maybe to be an animal. Unlike me, people then let animals roam in and out of their houses. They lived in a subtropical climate, and if they had doors, they were usually open. But it's a cinch that Jephthah didn't expect that his only daughter, indeed his only child, would be who first came out of the house to meet him when he returned victorious from the battle. But that's what happened. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes, which was a sign of deep mourning. And he said, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me very low and caused me great trouble. 
Again, although it's hard for us to accept this notion, breaking his vow was a non-starter for Jephthah. God had given him the victory, and now he had to do what he promised to do as a result of that. Now, there's nothing in the text to suggest that God was okay with human sacrifice. He certainly was not. But in his own mind, Jephthah was totally bound by his promise. There was no way out. So after giving his daughter two months to mourn the fact with her friends that she would never marry and have children, Jephthah did with her as he vowed. What a tragic story. There are so many things I could say about all this, but I want to wrap it up by practicing some rank amateur psychology on Jephthah. I think because of what he went through as a result of being the son of a prostitute and being kicked out of the family, he wanted so badly to succeed that he made this rash vow. I think God would have helped him in any event, but his feelings of rejection and inferiority moved him to make that vow. How does this apply to you? What is it in your life that you wish had not been? Perhaps some circumstance that you had no control over that's been an obstacle in your life. Most of us have something like that. My friend, I want to press upon you as strongly as I can that you are totally accepted by God regardless of any of those unchangeable circumstances in your life, you are worth the precious blood of God's one and only Son to Him. There is nothing you have to do or accomplish to enhance God's favor toward you. He loves you unconditionally. He accepts you in Christ. Believe Him today. Thank God for his love for you. Focus every day on the cross of Jesus. Remember that he did it for you because he thought you were worth it. There's nobody else on this planet that has gone to the lengths Jesus Christ has gone to for you. Let me leave you with this verse from Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those listening to this podcast today or this evening or whenever they're listening to it. And I pray that you would make this truth real to them, that they are accepted in Christ, that they are loved with an everlasting love. Perhaps there are people listening who have been wounded by others, by other people, or perhaps even family members, perhaps close family members, even like Jephthah. I pray, Jesus, that you bring healing to those that are wounded. You would bring forgiveness and mercy into their hearts, and you would help them to see and to realize that the most important thing about them is not the the circumstances of their birth, not their talents or lack of them, not their academic achievement or lack of it, or not who loved them or who didn't love them, but that God loves them with an everlasting love. And he sacrificed his one and only son on the cross for them. And I pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My friend, if you would like to get a hold of me, I would love to hear from you. And my email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. 
F-A-T-H-E-R dot D-A-N-J-O-N-E-S at Outlook.com. God bless you.